I'm feeling like a faith preacher today, so we're going to do some faith stuff because we're diverse. Amen? Okay, all three of you love that. All right, here we go. Hold up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Now, some of you can say, this is my iPhone, whatever. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's legit. Say, I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Furthermore, I confess that one word from God can change my life forever. I'll never be the same. No, never, never. No, never, ever. In Jesus' name, somebody shouted, amen, amen. You can be seated, high five on the way down. I hope it's okay if I just kind of enjoy myself this morning. It's Father's Day. This is a day to celebrate, amen. But even more than that, it's my Father's Day. So when we come together like this and we gather, I just there's just such an expectation in my heart, such an excitement. How many of you have sat through church service after church service, here and otherwise, and thought to yourself, there's got to be more? Am I the only human in the room? I'm the pastor, and I'm sitting here thinking there's got to be more. So I'm thinking some of you saying it, and it's okay. I'm going to raise my hand first. Now, how many of you have sat through church services and thought there's got to be more? All right. And we're going to cast a lion devil out of some of you. Let me just say something. There is more. Much more. We serve an infinite God. We serve the God who created Australia. Come on, somebody. That's pretty big. We serve the God that, that created Captain Crunch. Hallelujah. Now I'm preaching. Just messing with you. Let me pray together. Let's just pray as we get started. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word because it never, ever returns void. It will indeed accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And Lord, today I ask you, Father, that we would have a truth encounter today. Speak to our hearts. Father, may we posture and position ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. Followers, believing believers. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Today I want to talk about more truth. We've been doing this series, we've talked about more love, more hope, more joy. Today we're talking about more truth. And I want to introduce to you this, this topic. I have always, always contended that there's more. Always. Because I understand that we live in a fallen world, and we're in a church that is trying to, and when I say church, I'm talking about the church universal. I'm talking about the bride of Christ, not just our church. I'm talking about the bride. As the church, we are trying to get off the wrinkles, get tied pin away the, the spots, because we're trying to become a church that is without spot or wrinkle. We desire to be that for Jesus. But let me tell you something. We're coming up way short on a lot of arenas and a lot of fronts. The reason why I know that uh, Mr. Camping missed the mark by a long shot is because we know that Jesus is coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. Amen? And how many know we still got some spots and wrinkles? Come on, somebody. 
I mean, we can steam, we can tide pin it all week, all week. We can do everything we can, but we know there's still spots, there's still wrinkles. God's still working on us. Amen. Now, it doesn't give me comfort other than it just lets me know this is not quite the time, but we're getting there. And I believe we're getting there. But I know this. I know there is a divine discontent in many people's lives and many people's hearts because there's something in us that says this is okay, but there's got to be more. I'm grateful, but there's got to be more. I'm thankful, but I know there's more. Well, that was good, but wow, I really believe there's more. And I know this, when I've traveled to other parts of the world, I've seen environments where there was more, where there was nothing held back. All you have to do is pray with somebody from Africa to know they believe there's more. We have a guy in, a, in the Dallas church. His name's Henny. He's from Nashville. He's actually Nigerian, but, but he has been living in Nashville. He's moved to Dallas. And when that man prays, I'm telling you, that is a man who believes there's more. That's a man who has a divine discontent, and he, does hold, he holds nothing back. I believe there's more, and that's what I want to talk about today is more truth. A number of years ago, I was called out to Southern California. Annette and I were living in San Antonio. We were called out to Southern California to a church called Faith Community Church. Now, Faith Community Church was unusual in that it was a Southern Baptist church. But, however, may be the better word, however, it was a spirit-filled Southern Baptist church. And so they had had or they had experienced a touch of revival. God had poured out his spirit they had had a burst in attendance, I mean, they were busting at the seams, and, and they had literally, God brought in such an influx of people that they were completely understaffed and overwhelmed. And so I was called to come out there and take over the youth ministry position. Their youth pastor before me had been killed in a car wreck, a tragic car wreck, and just had devastated the church, devastated the students. And by the time we got there, there was just a handful of students left. They were broken. They were hurt. They were angry. They were disappointed. They were, they were in the why God did, why would God let this happen thinking. And so when we got there, it was very difficult. And when we got there, we also realized we were stepping into a different environment than West Texas. Because there, in the high desert of Southern California, in the Victorville, Hesperia, um, Apple Valley area, Lucerne Valleys in that area, Barstow, California. It's all in the edge of the Mojave Desert there. We, we found quickly that that is a very spiritually dark place on the planet. And in America, it is the highest per capita of, of occult, satanic, New Age. I mean, everything you can imagine is there. And when you meet a church member and you begin to find out their story, it was not uncommon to find somebody that had been a victim of what's called SRA, satanic ritual abuse. Now, again, this isn't West Texas. This is a whole nother world. And we were quickly introduced to some things, and I began to realize there's a lot more, someone say more, there's a lot more going on than I understood. Because my little bubble of West Texas was quite quite protected, quite sheltered. And all of a sudden, I'm stepping into a whole new thing. In fact, our church was the only church in the high desert at the time to have a ministry dedicated to SRA. 
victims of satanic ritual abuse. And I remember Vince McClung. I remember he headed that ministry up, and Vince and Lisa, and and it would be interesting because you'd see a car pull up in the parking lot very discreetly, parking around the back, and they'd come in the back way to the office to meet with Vince and Lisa, and, I, and all of us on staff knew what was going on. We kept it discreet. We didn't talk about it much, but we had an entire ministry designed to help people go through deliverance, get free, and then begin to unpack the emotional baggage that came with satanic ritual abuse. And it was, it was mind-bending, to say the least, for this Baptist boy. Because I had never seen, I'd seen some things, but not to that degree. I remember while I was there, someone recommended a book. How many of you have ever had a book recommended to you, and you thought, okay, I'll go get it. You go buy the book, and then you just lay it on your desk or stick it in a shelf. And you don't read it for a while. But then, on a random day and a random time, you feel drawn to pick that book up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've got many books in my shelves that haven't been read, but then okay, I'll be walking by or something will happen, and it's like, or I'll hear three or four people mention the title of the book. And I'll go, okay, I may be slow, but I'm not dumb. God's speaking multiple times. I'm hearing him in multiples. That means I'm probably supposed to do something about this. Well, there was a book that was recommended and given to me called, uh, is by Neil Anderson called The Bondage Breaker. And I remember picking up that book, and it kind of had almost a comic book cover. And I thought, The Bondage Breaker, that sounds pretty intense. And I thought, I, I'm going to start reading this book. Well, I cracked the book open, and that book in 1997 became a tipping point for my life. As I begin to read the pages of The Bondage Breaker, I begin to realize there's more. There's a lot more. What I appreciated about Neil Anderson's book is that he was coming from a quite conservative theological point of view, which I could easily relate to, and yet he was talking about the supernatural, and he was talking about the demonic and the satanic, and he was talking about not demonic possession, because that's a misnomer. He was talking about demonic oppression. And I walked in one time, I was in a in a Pentecostal church, and I'm not dogging Pentecostal church or anything, but in this particular case, I was playing in a band that was based out of a Pentecostal church. We were rehearsing there, and I walked in. I was the first one in, and I heard this racket going on, this noise in the upper deck of the church. So I just followed the sound, and as I got closer, it was louder, and there were a lot of people making a lot of noise and sounded like a fight going on in there. And I opened the door into this room, and it was a full-on Pentecostal deliverance. And I saw a guy on his hands and knees. looks like he was throwing up into a trash can, and, and he was screaming, and everybody around him was screaming. And I just, I, I mean, it just it freaked me out. I slammed the door, and I didn't know what to do with it. And so, so much so that I talked to the pastor. I said, help me understand what I just saw, because that, that doesn't register in my world. So that was my introduction to deliverance, but in a very, very dramatic way. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I thought, if we'll just disciple people, if we'll just, if we'll just get people in the Word, then they'll be okay. They'll be okay. If we can just get enough Word in them, they'll be full, and we won't need to go down that road. That's, that's too weird, too freaky, too out there. I began to read this book, and I began to realize that what God is calling us to is a truth encounter, not so much a power encounter. And I begin to realize that it's truth that sets people free. Now, I want to share with you a little bit from that because 
that book flipped my paradigm upside down, and I began to realize that we can indeed be free. Have you ever felt like every time you try to begin moving forward in your walk with Jesus and you start to get you start to get hungry for the word you start to get excited about attending church you start to find yourself free in worship and then all of a sudden it's like somebody jerks the slack out of your chain invisibly of course metaphorically jerks the slack out of your chain and suddenly you feel heavy you feel depressed you feel like oh i'm not motivated how many of you you don't even don't raise your hand because i know i'm talking to people how many of you have sometimes tried to read the bible and it's just you could read a magazine article and be full-on engaged but when you try to read the bible it's confusing and it and it's just mush. It's just nothing really makes sense. You're confused. Your mind's cluttered. Your mind's drifting. How many times have we been watching a television program, be completely locked on, completely engaged, but try to spend five minutes in prayer, and our mind goes a million directions? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I want you to know there's interference happening because there's more going on. And what we need is a truth encounter. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you can be free from whatever bondage you're struggling with. You can be free, and that is the truth. Did you know that one of the enemy's biggest lies to you, not to the church, I'm talking to you personally, is that this is the way it's just going to be the rest of my life. I'm just going to have to learn to live with this. And I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the truth. So let me just give you a little outline here, some basics on truth. Listen to this. Truth has a name. Truth is a person. Truth is more than information, more than a concept, more than idea, more than words on a page. Truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. Now, I want to show you out of the Bible some scripture. Worship in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says this. This is when Jesus was talking to a woman and clarifying that a time was coming when they would not have to go to a mountain or to a temple to worship God because God was going to be omnipresent. He was going to be everywhere. And Jesus says this, but the hour is coming and now is. Someone say now is. That means now, by the way. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and Truth. We did a message here. It's been a few weeks ago, or several weeks ago, a couple months ago. And when I threw up a guy on, on rings in the Olympics, and he was doing what's called the Iron Cross. And I talked about the fact that we, have, we hang on to the ring of form as the church, also hanging on to the ring of power, form and power. But look at this contrast here. Spirit. Wow. Randall, you're so good. But there it is. It's a picture of me. I've been working out a little bit. Performing the Iron Cross so we would have a graphic. But I want you to think in terms of those two rings and what it takes to hang and suspend in that. First of all, it takes a lot of time to even get to that place. Lots of training. There's a guy I know in Dallas who... I, I, I preached this message a while back, and he took this challenge. He said, I'm going to do the Iron Cross. Let me tell you, this guy's ripped, and he's built like a gymnast. And he told me last week, he said, I'm almost there. 
I'm almost there. I'm so close. And he's working on this. He's going to take a picture of him holding. He's going to hold it for three seconds. He's going to send me a picture of it and because he was challenged by this message. But I want you to think in terms of one of these rings being form, structure, that which we hold on to, foundations, and the other ring being power, that which we understand that God gives us dunamis in order to do what we've been called to do. And notice that it's not just balance that holds that pose, it's tension that holds that pose. And what we have to do is we have to learn to embrace the tension between form and power, which is what we are doing as a church family. Now, also it says that those who worship him will worship in spirit and in truth. And you can look at that as well as a contrast. It's not either or, it's both and, and understand there will always be tension between the two worlds. Always. Always. If you are uncomfortable with tension, you are not going to be a productive follower of Jesus. Let me say this again. If you are not comfortable with tension, you are going to struggle in your Christian life. But the day that you can embrace mystery... The day that you can embrace tension and know that there's form and power, spirit and truth, that they're not mutually exclusive, that it's both and, and I can live in that tension, and I will hold that pose, and it's going to take a lot of pressure and a lot of strength to do it, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to. Let me tell you, that'll be the day you go to a new level. You will become a new, you will look like this guy spiritually. (laughs) Amen? Let me read that scripture again. John, go ahead. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, who wants to be a true worshiper? Man, I don't want to be a half worshiper. Half, uh, half truth a half lie. I don't want to be a half worshiper. I want to be the real deal. When true worshipers will worship the Father in these two ways, spirit and truth, power and form, both. And it says this, for the Father, it says, for... The worship and spirit too, for the Father is seeking such. He's looking for those who can live in that tension. He's looking for those who will embrace the tension between two worlds and go, you know what? We need structure, but we need power too. We need the spirit. We need the move of God. We need, we need mystery, but we also need that which is stable, that which is solid, and that which is foundational. We need both. Embrace the tension. Embrace the tension. Quit striving for balance. It doesn't work. It's tension that will get you there. And when you can embrace that, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in both spirit and truth. Can I get an amen? All right. Also, John 16.3, I want you to understand this. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth. And look what Jesus says. However, when he, the spirit of truth... Interesting. He continues and over and over throughout the Bible, particularly the book of John, he'll refer to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Next scripture, Randall, John 14. John 14 says, If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 
The Spirit of Truth, this is the Helper, the Counselor, the Parakletos, the one called alongside the Help. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Someone say, Spirit of Truth. He says, I'll not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of who? Jesus. It's Jesus Himself. The truth has a name. Truth is a person. And then the last uh, set of scriptures, listen to this. The Word of God, the Word of God is truth. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. In Him you also trusted after you heard the Word of truth. There it is. The Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news, the gospel, is the Word of truth. It is truth. It says, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then also in John 17, 17, when Jesus was praying for us as his disciples, he says, sanctify or set them apart by your truth. And he says this, your word is truth. Someone say, the word is truth. All right, now what we're talking about today is a truth encounter. And now I want to read to you one of my favorite passages. And this is something the Lord has been dealing with me about and just having me walk in and really embrace and begin to unpack. And it's this, John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus had been defending who he was to a bunch of religious folk. It's interesting, he wasn't having to defend himself to lost folk. He was having to defend himself to religious folk. That's where the arguments always tend to happen. Not so much out there, but more so in here. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then he says something really powerful. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, you've got to understand how powerful this word is. Let's go ahead and finish this, the passage in verse uh, 36. He makes this statement, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Someone say, free indeed. Let me tell you something. You do not have to live in bondage anymore. And let me say something real straight and in love. Bound people bind people. And free people free people. Let me say that again. This is so important. This is so critical to understand. We know that lies bind and truth frees. Bound people bind people. And free people free people. And I'm telling you today, you do not have to live with the things that are holding you back. You do not have to live under oppression, in bondage, because there is a Savior. There is a Deliverer. There is one who is bigger than the devil. Come on, somebody. There is one that can literally remove and destroy the ties that bind in your life. And I want you to know his name is Jesus He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his daddy is the Ancient of Days, the King of glory, the Lord Most High. He's the Most High God. 
And he is seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The very train of his robe is filling the temple. In the presence of God, I'm telling you, in his presence is fullness of joy. In that joy is strength. And I'm telling you, God wants you to be free. But the devil is a liar. And the devil has convinced many people in the church. Here's the deal. The devil can't stop you from getting saved, but he can stop you from acting saved. He can't keep you from stepping over the line and going, you know what? I believe Jesus is my Lord. I believe he's my Savior. I'm stepping over the line. I'm going to become a Christ follower. He can't stop you from that, but what he will do, he will pull out all the stops to render you ineffective, and basically he is working on your behalf to cause a stillbirth in the kingdom. So, yeah, you may be born again, but that's all that happens. And you find yourself stuck can't worship, can't read the Word, constant drama and calamity against your life. Boom, boom, boom. Never stops. What's going on? I feel like I'm under a curse. You may be. Remember what that word means, empowerment to fail. Well, I'm at a point in my life where I'm mad at the devil for what he's doing to the body of Christ. There's some of you that have inner bondages that you've never told another soul about. Things that constantly nag at your spirit. Things that, that voices that sound like your voice in your head saying things that if you felt like if anybody knew what those were saying, people would think you're nuts. You're not nuts. You're just oppressed. Because there's a real devil, and he really hates you. And again, he can't stop you from being saved, but he will do everything he can to keep you from acting like you're saved and having a testimony and living a life of freedom whereby people see your freedom and go, I want what they have. In fact, I want twice of that. I want double what they've got. Whatever it is, I want two of those. I want you to know today, you can be free You can live free, and you can free others because that's God's design for your life. Did you know that one-third of the ministry of Jesus Christ is both freedom, deliverance, and healing? One-third of the ministry of Jesus was deliverance and freedom. Anybody want to be free? Well, we're just getting started in this thing. And I want you to know, we're, we're, we talked about it as a staff about reintroducing a victory weekend, training up people who can walk in this and be ready to engage in the fight because I'm tired of seeing you get beat up. I'm tired of seeing the devil strut around here like a cock hen with his chest stuck out laughing at the church. Anybody else tired of seeing the enemy strut his stuff? Well, it's time for him to come down. Amen? You know what's awesome? He already has. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and the fact that we don't even love our lives even unto death. You always got to include that third one in there. 
So today, I'm declaring over you, freedom, truth has a name, and his name is Jesus, and he wants you to be free. 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 He desires you to be free. Pride, it's got to go. Self-centeredness, it's got to go. Vanity, it's got to go. Greed, it's got to go. Lust, it's got to go. Depression, it's got to go. Eating disorders, it's got to go. Stinking thinking, it's got to go. None of that lines up under truth. And I say we just kick the devil's tail right back to hell. Amen? I'm not picking a fight. I'm taking a stand. The Bible says this, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So we're not going after anything. We're just standing. We're holding the ground because I'm telling you, he's called you to freedom. Amen? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes?